It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's bye week, and we are here. It's me and Matt. I'm Mike Fleischman. That's Matt Mellum, setter. Hey. Uh, week seven of the NFL mm-hmm. is is upon us right now. Packers have the week off. Comes at a, a great time. Comes at a time in their schedule where they're going to stare down two road games at the LA Rams, then at the New England Patriots, then at home for Miami and Seattle, and then back on the road to play the Vikings. So a week off before a crucial five-game stretch. This is our cool podcast, Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Me and Matt are just doing a little quick segment here. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a roundtable discussion with a bunch of folks, depending on who shows up. Yeah after this, but we just wanted to have a quick check-in on the state of the Packers, because I do not know how much Packers chat we're going to see. Yeah. Um, I know if Allie Pruitt shows up, she's a Packers fan, but also we're going to talk to Gabriel Wilkins, who not a Packers fan, Charlie sure. Bevins, big Bears fan. Yep. So we're going to take more stock of the NFC North in general, but uh, taking stock of the Packers right now, it feels like the most classic Packers by week you could have. Yeah. Very indicative of the last five years in that uh, the Packers are injured. There are a lot of question marks. Their record is not incredible at yep. three and two and one. The games that they've won, there's only been one decisive victory mm-hmm. out of those three. The games that they have lost, they've both been um, road letdowns. Yep. The game that they tied was its own particular bit of nonsense. So yeah. um, I'm going to turn to you, Matt, at the uh, at this bye week. What what's other than just getting healthy? And and getting things getting things right, getting your guys back on the field where they should be against the Rams. Uh, what what should the Packers be looking at in this bye so, week? So I think it's really important that we not worry about the Packers' record. I I think that the two losses and the tie that we've seen, uh, there's been no blowout losses. There's been no game outside of the Washington game where the Packers looked really bad. In the Vikings game, it really just came down to one play. Yeah, came to, came down to came down to defense at the end. Yeah, I, I think it, it it so many of these games, uh, the Packers have looked good. I mean, they have the second offense in yardage despite the bye week. It's this is a team that has the pieces and has the talent and has looked good in pretty long spurts this season. Specifically, the defense has played very well. The offense has been clicking with an injured Aaron Rodgers. I think coming out of this bye week. What's most important is that we see this team just get healthy. Is the reintroduction of uh, Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison to this offense should be a huge boon going forward. And to get Aaron Rod- the brace off of Aaron Rodgers' leg and to see him practice for a full week, I think is perhaps the biggest uh, improvement this offense can make. We did see it against the 49ers. He's, he's still airmailing a bit. He's still missing. Mm-hmm. To me, that is... Although he looks to be more mobile and he's not throwing from the air as yeah. much anymore. Yeah. Those are still the throws of a man who is overcompensating his arm to make up for the fact that he's not confidently planting yeah. on his on his on his leg. So yeah, those are mechanical errors. Yes. Those are mechanical errors that come with being unconfident in your lower half. I mean, it the arm talent's still there. The reads are still there. Like he he'll Aaron Rodgers will still hold the ball for a little bit too long to look for a big play but he's still able to make these great throws and stuff that we expect of Aaron Rodgers. I think going forward, once he gets this brace off and he's able to be Aaron Rodgers physically as we know him, I think we'll we'll see a return to premier Aaron Rodgers. On the defensive side of the ball, we're waiting for Jair Alexander to come back. Mm -hmm. We're waiting for Bashad Breeland to make his Packers debut. 
couple of other guys on the defensive side that we thought might be bigger difference makers coming into this. One of them, Antonio Morrison, we've mm-hmm. seen very, very little from him. And with the state of the linebackers, wondering if, if you have any thoughts on, on Morrison and how he's done as a, a Packer so far. You know, I think uh, Antonio Morrison looked okay in his time on the field, but I think the lack of Antonio Morrison speaks to kind of the uh, growth of Oren Burks thus far. Oren Burks has looked really good. He's just so much more athletic than Antonio Morrison. Right. Antonio Morrison has the brains and the smarts. He was one of the leading tacklers on the Colts team last year. He's a field general. He knows what's going on, and he can read the plays, but physically, it's not all there. Physically, it's all there for Oren Burks. I think another thing that bears mentioning on this little section is that Lindsey Pipkins, who was traded mm-hmm. for Antonio Morrison, is released by the Colts. Yeah. So it's become a full salary dump Yeah, for the Colts. And we want to wish Lindsey Pipkins the absolute best we as miss you, he Lindsay. tries to tries to get land back somewhere. And with the Packers looking the way they do at safety right now, yeah, especially into the future, the Packers might want to uh, might want to see if they still Re-invest. still have the old Lindsey uh, look under P for Pipkins yeah. in the old Rolodex. <laughs> see if he's there. Let's turn to the offensive side of the ball. Jimmy Graham's been pretty quiet as a yeah. Packer so far. And when you look at what the Packers are doing and where they're having success and where they're not having success, where they're not having success is in the red zone right now. Mm-hmm. Getting that, finishing those drives and turning first and 10 at the 18 into seven points. Jimmy Graham was uh, was touted all all summer by you know, not only you, yeah. but like everyone, no, but yeah. also you. Yeah, as, very much me. As, as a red zone weapon that was going to be crucial in yeah. turning the Packers from a field goal team into a touchdown team mm-hmm. and changing some of the outcomes of close games. I haven't seen that so far and I was I was I'm looking for answers to this. I was wondering if you had any any thoughts on why that might be. You're you're right, we really haven't seen that yet and it's been a little bit disappointing. We saw Jimmy Graham kind of take a leap in this 49ers game. He went over 100 yards for the first time this year. Um he's looked Good in spurts. Again, I say I've been saying it a lot about this Packers offense. Jimmy Graham's looked good in spurts. I think a big part of it is like a chemistry thing with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers kind of takes a long time to get used to. We saw him kind of misconnect on a back shoulder throw to Jimmy Graham against the 49ers, which is something that is so automatic with Rodgers and kind of his seasoned receivers. I think going forward, we'll see more out of Jimmy Graham, but I think where Jimmy Graham is the most effective is once Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison get back. It's the attention that Graham draws up the seam and from safety help. Is Jimmy Graham, very much like Rob Gronkowski of the Patriots, gets a ton of attention from opposing secondaries. Even if he's not in man coverage, they're going to always be somebody have somebody shading over the top, somebody shading underneath. Jimmy Graham's always covered. He's just a huge target. And the damage that Jimmy Graham can do is when he's pulling guys in coverage, in zone coverage, these deep safeties, away from the boundaries and away from Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and Jordan Miles and out wide. Yeah, it is kind of ironic that Jimmy Graham, right when he should be getting acclimated to the yeah. offense, is all of a sudden the number two option in an offense that's yep. running out their three rookie draft picks at wide yeah. receiver, yep. which you do not have to send safeties over the top yeah. on MVS or EQ St. Brown yeah. right now. Love you guys, but sorry. They're not ready yet. They're just not ready <laughs> yeah. for the prime time. And, and so I think when Jimmy Graham physically I don't think is a number two weapon anymore he was in 2010 with the Saints now he's slow now he's not that anymore what he is is a huge body who can go up and who still demands a ton of attention so I think once 
Aaron Rodgers really gets a true number two back in Randall Cobb and a true number three back in Geronimo Allison, we're going to see Jimmy Graham kind of take form again. I, th- I think the chemistry's beginning to develop, and over this bye week it'll develop further. But I think where we see Jimmy Graham really dominate this year will be in the second half of the season. Taking a look after the bye week, they've got to go out to Los Angeles. They've got to play the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams have it all, folks. Yeah, they do. They're really they, good. They got uh, they got Aaron Donald. They got Tomkin Sue. They've got Jared Effing Goff. Yeah, and they've got Todd Gurley next to him. It's it's not fair. No. Sometimes when you look at what the Rams have put together, they've got a a, a young head coach who is uh, is really like flashing the uh, flashing the bling a little bit yeah. out there. He's uh, Sean McVay is showing people. He's very stuff. talented. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. He, I think he might be one of the one of the act, true actual innovators. Mm-hmm. In we hear that in what coaches lot. are in what head coaches can do for a team. Yeah. I, I think McVay might actually be one of the few guys who has done that in yeah. the last 10 years. Um, watching the game last night, watching the Kansas City game, mm-hmm. somehow Andy Reid yeah. is still innovating. Yeah. He, at, at his advanced, advanced Wilford Brimley-esque age. Excuse me. And I, I don't know if I've, I don't know if there has been a head coach to come into the league after Reid who has done quite as much innovating as, as him, mm-hmm. but God, McVay out in Los Angeles. Packers have a tough matchup out there. Yeah. And I have that game penciled in. I've had that game penciled in as a loss from the from my beginning sure. look at the Packers. My guess for their record was going to be 10 and 6 and a wild card berth in the NFC North. The NFC North is blowed wide open. Yep. by everything that's happened and my guess for the Packers final record is still 10 and 6. Yeah. or 10 and 5 and 1 now. Mm-hmm. I think or maybe 9 and 6 and 1 somewhere in there. Sure. The tie threw me off a bit. But I've had this one penciled in as a loss. But for me the real question of this game is um, can they go to halftime down by 10 points or less or be leading by yeah. 10 points or less? If, if that, if they can somehow avoid a 20 point deficit yeah. at halftime, that's going to be in my mind, what you want to do in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, as an optimist, like walking out into LA and stealing one after the bye week that's what you want to do. I'd prefer if they won, Yeah, but I have, I have smaller goals yeah. for, for this LA game because they're a powerhouse. They're this LA Rams team is really good in basically every facet of the game. Where we kind of see the LA Rams be a little bit susceptible is in their secondary. Uh, kind of overall, they're a really good yardage team. I think they're ranked number seven in like yards given up, uh, and number four in like pass yards given up. But they haven't played a lot of quarterback talent. They're down a keep to leave, and they're ranked seventeenth in DVOA, which ranks your defense kind of according to strength of schedule, who you've played, so like 200 yards against, uh, like giving up 200 yards to like the Bills is ranked differently from giving up yeah. 200 yards to the Rams or something. Like it, it, it weighs it according by scale. And so what that shows is that this Rams defense isn't perfect and isn't as good as we kind of think they are. And if anyone's going to be able to take advantage of that, I think it really is Aaron Rodgers, especially coming off of a bye week where Mike McCarthy has a full week to scheme for this offense specifically. He said in an interview that they've, even in this offseason, were approaching this game and the Patriots game as two games that they were scheming for, even in the offseason, looking at all their tape, getting ready for them at this point of the season. Uh, I think it's not crazy for you to have scheduled this in as a loss. I, I think it's totally within the realm of possibility, but I... I 
this is a game where the Packers, this would be a statement game. If the Packers can come out and Completely. beat the 7-0 and Rams, I mean, the, the Rams are coming off of a big week this week. They're not coming off of a bye. This this is a possible game for the Packers to win, and if they win it, this is a statement going forward. And I think it would spur another run-the-table type second half of the year. Yeah, and when you look at the NFC North right now, Vikings are at four and two and one. Packers are behind them three and two and one. Lions and Bears are three and three apiece. Yep. Uh, we know less about the Lions and Bears than we did coming into this season. Uh, they alternately suck or are incredible. Yeah. Especially in the case of the Bears, who are inexplicable. We're going to talk more about the Bears on the on the upcoming roundtable yeah. stuff, but. Um, yeah, the NF- nothing is settled in the NFC North, and I don't think it's going to be settled until the mathematicians yeah. get done running their formulas at the end of it. It's been a fun run so far. Of course, I want to let you know, follow us on Twitter at CheeseCagoLand, where we don't really tweet anything from that account. We tweet we should, out when the episodes are. We should try doing that yeah. more often. Should, do you want to... Um, can I live tweet the Rams game? Of course. Cool. I, I I put you on as an administrator on the Twitter account. Oh, great. This is something that we should be discussing. <laughs> yeah. Not, no, uh, <laughs> yeah. Great. Recording. I'm on Twitter at MP Fleischman. Uh, he's on Twitter at Malum Setter. You can follow us. I tweet more often um, when I'm not just promoting football. Yeah. And, uh, and we're here in the beautiful Loop Studios, Radio to Paul Sports, which is a very cool organization. I'm a recent graduate of this university and a uh, recent former student manager at this great radio station. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are currently the program director of this great radio station. So we, we thank them for the use of their studios. Coming up, we're going to have a fun roundtable discussion with a bunch of our friends and football dudes and gals, men and ladies. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We are going to be back next week with uh, just me and Matt doing uh, Packers Rams. That'll be coming out uh, Monday or Tuesday when we when we get around to when it and get time. And uh, we'll say it we'll say it a couple of times. But uh, folks folks should do a thing. Matt Malum said, or what's that thing they should do? They should stay cheesy, baby. All right. Seven is the bye week. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Where did the chairs come from? We don't have any idea. I think we ordered them from a catalog. I'm Mike Fleischman, and I have got a room full of people. I've got one more person on the phone with me today. And so we're going to start by just going around introducing everyone here. This is the NFL Roundtable episode of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland as we're waiting for the bye week to be over and, of course, get the Packers back to playing as they'll be facing off with the L.A. Rams out in L.A. Next week, that's that's a problem. Yeah. That's a bit of a problem. But for now, I've got a room full of people who want to talk about football with me. Thank you to each and every one of you, first of all, for doing this. Let's start on my left and just go around the room and uh, tell tell the folks uh, who the heck you are and what the heck you're doing. Hi, uh, I'm Matt Melmstetter. I'm the co-host of this show. So, 
Who? Yeah, well, well done. Well, well done. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, and I'm Allie Pruitt. This is my second time here with Mike on Cheese Heads in Chicagoland. I'm a DePaul alum now, which is weird to say. Hey, congratulations. Um, yeah. Thank you. And I'm currently a law school student, so a whole oh new uh, outlook, I guess, on everything, including uh, sports and contracts and holdouts, which I know we're going to talk a little bit about today. So I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, my name's Garrett Neal, and instead of going to law school, I'm here at DePaul and wondering why we got these chairs that look nice but are just really impractical in every way. Just so tall. They are. They just they don't fit at all. And I'm like, oh, great, we have these nice chairs that say DePaul on them, but, like, what's the point of having a chair if you can't, if you can't sit in it? Because okay. they're sick. They're too tall for these microphones. I'm bending down. <laughs> you, it's that's great audio content. You can't see it, but <laughs> all right. And and we just want to shout out Matt Melamsetter, like kind of taking one for the team here and being uncomfortable on a ch- on a chair that that puts his knees higher than the desk, which is of course like proper Matt proper could, office posture at all my times. My knees are at microphone level. <laughs> if Matt gets too excited, he's gonna knock his laptop off the table with his knees. <laughs> all right. Finally, uh, my name is Charlie Bevins. I am a sophomore here at DePaul. I host. DePaul on football with Matt uh, on Mondays at 5.30. And, uh, yeah, I'm a uh, self-loathing Bears fan. So, Oh, incredible. And then joining us on remote, on the phone, we've got Gabriel Wilkins. How are you? Good. And yourself, Mike? Doing really good. So glad you could uh, call in and join us. And, uh, Gabriel, I want to I start with you, and I want to start, uh, start with you and maybe Charlie Bevins looking around the NFC North particularly when you're taking stock of the Bears right now, sitting at 3-3. Three and three. From my perspective, the Bears have exceeded some expectations but fallen very short on others. I was wondering what your take was six games in for the Chicago Bears. Um, from what I've seen, you know, the Bears have arguably one of the top defenses in the league when healthy. You know, in my opinion, Khalil Mack, when he's on the field, he looks like the defensive player of the year, hands down, and he's healthy. Uh, now, lately, you know, he's been suffering through some setbacks with his ankle, hasn't been at 100%. And I think in many instances that's shown, particularly within their pass rush, which has kind of declined over the last few weeks. And I think that's why you saw a lot of throws where Brady was able to get rid of the ball with little to any pressure facing him. You know, you could tell how much he opens up for that defense. I think Mitch Trubisky has improved, you know, has made a lot of strides. However, he's also shown some inconsistencies throughout as well, such as being accurate, you know, on long balls and not hitting receivers where they need to be hit, you know, in routes. But all in all, I mean, for them to be 3-3 three and three through their first six games and all the losses have been very close and have come down to, like, the final, you know, two to three minutes of play, I mean, you really can't complain after, you know, seeing what you have in Chicago over the last several seasons if you're a Bears fan, in my opinion. Yeah, and I want to ask Charlie Bevins the same question, and especially when it comes to the Bears being in these games. Who would have thought that they were one yard away from tying up the Patriots on a hail mary? Uh, Patriots are very good. We didn't. I did not. I did not, not expect this much contention from the Bears. I'm. I'm not surprised that they haven't been able to put it all together. Yet my read on them is that they are a team that's just not complete yet. But being that close in a game against the Patriots, they've got a lot of buy-in so far in this season. And 
I don't know. I, I think realistic Bears fans have to be happy with these results, even if they aren't W's so far. It's a team that that gives more of an S than uh, than last year's team did, at least. Yeah, with that with that Patriots game specifically, these last two weeks, what we've seen is that there's a formula to beat this Bears defense, right? If you get the ball quickly, you force them to make tackles in space, which they've been pretty much unable to do going back to Miami, pretty much even in Green Bay. Uh, that's really how you're gonna you're gonna neutralize the pass rush that way. When it comes to that New England game specifically, two terrible special teams plays. You can't give Brady 14 free points. You just can't. New England made a lot of mistakes that I think were very uncharacteristic of New England. And I think if the really the the teams that separate themselves from the pack would take advantage of those of those miscues made by the Patriots and would really uh, put the put the foot on the gas pedal but the fa- to even be in that game I think is a good sign for a team as young as they are and uh yeah I you don't want to be too upset after losing to the Patriots because so many teams do just because they're New England but yeah that one stung a little just being one yard short of potentially tying it up I think I think something that something that has been coming up with the Bears especially in their losses is is some of Matt Nagy's play calling and game management I've I've been hard on Matt Nagy as as the host of this show, and that's that's cool. You know, I'm just a guy who uh, who's never coached a day in the NFL, so I, I as critical as you want. Yeah, I, I get to be a complete jerk when it comes to judging the performance of people whose jobs I don't even slightly understand. But from the from the Bears fans and from anyone in the room, really, I want to start with uh, Gabriel once again because yeah, it's uh, it's kind of hard to hard to read the room and and judge. Uh, where we're going to come in on this stuff, but what do you think of the way that Matt Nagy is is managing games so far and using his personnel? Oh, I I, I understand. You, I feel like you have every right to be critical of him, Mike. You well, know, thank you. I, we could go back to week. We could go. We go back to week one against Green Bay. You know, there were many a times in that game where the Bears, when they were up, they made some very conservative calls in regards to play calls, and I didn't always agree with that. You know, especially when you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers out in Lambeau down by 17-plus points, you got to put, the, you know, the foot on his neck and that defense as well. Um, I, You know, it's been a lot of times where I've had issues with their defensive play calling, like le- like yesterday in the afternoon. Like, why did they drop pass rush, you know, guy like Khalil Mack in the coverage so much on, on Sunday? That's baffling. And as a result of that, and as a result of that, that's why you see Brady getting the ball off so quick and guys like Brock Osweiler getting the ball off so quick. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've had issues with some of the decisions that which Jackie has made, and this goes back to during his time at Kansas City. You know, as we all know, during the wild card game, when he was there in the final game under Andy Reid, they were up by, what, three touchdowns? And he started calling the game much more conservatively. And what happened? Titans come back, they win, they march onto the divisional round. Um, that's something that definitely needs to be discussed. And I think talked about throughout the city, despite the fact that he's brought in some very interesting coverages and schemes that are fresh and innovative and I have not seen in my years of watching Bears football, and I'm glad to see that they're doing. But then again, they're also taking away from their running game in some instances. Like, Jordan Howard has kind of become like an anomaly this season as far as I'm concerned. When you give him the ball, typically 
he's one of the best running backs in football. So, like, it, it's been a lot of things that you could call him out on and question, in my opinion. I think particularly on defense, when you add a guy like Mack, the thing that the thing that you might be tempted to do is to be a little bit more conservative, to think to yourself, all right, we've got a guy who's going to get home whenever he wants to so we can start playing a bit more coverage with him, or not with him, but around him, whereas my thinking is, like, that's just all the more reason to be blitzing, particularly on Mac's side, is to make someone deal with him one-on-one and to put it, you know, put it in that left tackle or right tackle's head wherever he's lining up, put it in their head that, all right, not only is Mac coming at me, but I've got to, like, keep my head open and, like, call out coverages and adjust my position for a blitzing linebacker or a blitzing safety. And just, you can you can just take an offensive lineman and, and change just make him doubt everything he knows about football when you've got a, players like uh, Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, who's an underrated guy as well. Uh, are the are the Bears are the Bears misusing Mack? Is it too early to say that? Am I am I crazy? What do you think we're doing with him? I don't think it's too early to say that they're misusing Mack. Well, actually, I do. I take that back. It, it is too early, but. Like I, I, I don't have an issue with how they've used him throughout the season. However, I do have an issue with how they've used him throughout the last two games. In addition to how their offense at times tries to get too cute with trick plays and, and little tweets. And, and yeah, there's like my that. thing. Yeah, that I have an issue with that as well. Um, I agree with you when you talk about Matt and you know being dynamic in the blitz. And when you put him in front of a tackle, yeah, making him, you know, have second thoughts when he approaches the line because that opens up so much, not only just for Mac, but like you said, Akeem Hicks and Leonard Floyd. That you know, that's why you that's why you gave up all the picks that you did to acquire a guy of his status. And as a result, you have the top five defense in the league and one of the top five defense in the league in terms of yardage. So I I feel like you got him, you know, put him to work. Yeah, Khalil, Khalil Mack, and he's, he's got a big contract. The, the Bears are doing some things really right, and I think they are locked into some patterns that, that they have established in their, in their decade plus of not doing things right. And it's interesting to see them try and break out of it. I want to turn to, uh, to Garrett Neal. Garrett Neal is wearing an obscure Redskins jersey right now, and the Look, Redskins man, are a team Brandon that— Brandon Banks is the best kick returner we've had in my lifetime. Okay, so. cool. Um uh, Garrett, uh, the the Washington Redskins two-time CFL All Star. Yeah, the way. <laughs> I I have no idea who that is. <laughs> Look him up. He was great for one and a half years. You'll also find his criminal charges. But really, yeah. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh man, we're we're learning things I here. Know about that. Um, the Redskins are a team that has, I think, accomplished one of the two Packers losses and the one in which they looked the absolute worst, I think it's the, uh, the nadir of their season so far yep. is that game against, against green Bay. And so I'm in, in this whole, like, how's your favorite team doing section that I'm doing right here. How are, how are the Redskins doing? We're the worst four and two team in the NFL. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're so bad, but we're lucky because we play in the NFC East who is somehow <laughs> even worse than the Redskins are. I mean, granted we've, we've only played, one division game, and we barely like we should not have won that Dallas game. Okay, like their center, their long snapper doesn't decide to like fidget the ball and move it back oh, yeah. five yards. That's going into OT. 
Okay, and and even besides that, I mean, look, Alex Smith. This isn't going to be news to anybody, but apparently it is to some of the people in in the Redskins front office. But I think he might be a system QB. Okay. <laughs> oh, really, you Alex know, Smith? Right. Now. You know, like I'm just saying. <laughs> guy was like, okay, most of his career in San Francisco, he was bad in the beginning. He was like, okay, had like one and a half okay seasons. Then Kansas City, whoa, he's great. You know, because maybe Andy Reid has a history of making quarterbacks look really good, which we're seeing right now. And then now he's here, and it's and it's like, look, again, like we we do not have any of the wide receiving weapons that, that even Kansas City did before they had Tyreek. Like, we don't have a Dwayne Bow, okay? Oh, you know, whoa, Dwayne Bow. Throwback. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Dwayne Bow, also, we, as an example. <laughs> we, we don't have – but and um, Jake Gruden is, is not a great coach, but even so, there have been times when our very mediocre wide receivers have gotten open, and he, Alex Smith has just missed them. And so instead – we're handing the ball off to Adrian Peterson 20 times a game. It's like, dude, look great for 33. Amazing. If I could run like Adrian Peterson at 33 at any time in my life, I wouldn't be here right now. But I don't want to give him the ball 20 times a game because eventually he's going to get hurt or he's going to slow down. But we cannot throw. Our defense has looked okay, um, but we suck. Okay. And four and, and two. Okay. Four and two. I know I just went off for a long time, but the NFC East. The Bears one of the things the Bears have that the Redskins do not is hope. You guys have some talented <laughs> you guys you guys have some talented players oh, that, can ask for. that you can oh. see oh my going like even if this season, like you're probably not gonna make the playoffs. You know, but you guys have had some really good like moral victory games and you've got some some talent that you can see going forward. We don't have that. We shipped out all of our young talent. We're like, wow, these guys are great that we drafted. Let's send them everywhere else. And so now we got an old QB. We got an old running back. Trent Williams is getting up there now. We, at least we got the two young guys on defense. But, like, we just, like, there's no, there's no path forward. We're just stuck. And there was a great stat that they had on, uh, on Sunday – it's like in our last 57 games, 28, 28, and 1. We're phenomenal at being mediocre. Yeah. I do not appreciate this Colt McCoy slander at all. I'm, he's like, <laughs> I think he's like 1 and 2 and I don't know. I mean, he's fine. <laughs> he's won every game in heart. It's true. And he beat Dallas, which counts as like three wins. Except for this last one. That was like a tie in my book. So so that was cool because that is the first time that I've ever asked anyone how the Washington Redskins were doing. And go. I got just about the best answer that I could possibly expect uh, for that question. The Snyder's possibly the Dan Snyder's possibly the worst. There's no possibly about it. He's worst sucks. owner in, in He's, pro sports. I hate him. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna keep keep moving to uh, to my left here. I've got I've got a couple of Packers fans sharing one microphone. We'll start with, with Allie Pruitt. Um, just the general three, two, and one general state of the Packers right now. What, what have you liked from them so far and, and what hasn't measured up? Well, let me just say this. There has been a lot for me that has not measured up. Good. There has been one thing that has measured up plain and simple Aaron Rodgers. If we did not have the man awful, simply awful. 
um, how I've looked at it, going back to week one against the Bears, so I don't if everybody doesn't know, I, I work at NBC Sports Chicago. I was the only Packer fan in the room. You know me, wore my jersey to work, whole nine yards. That's crazy. Everybody else in the Bears jerseys, right? We had Matt Forte's on our show, Alex Brown, Lance Briggs, all giving me crap all day. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers goes down, and I looked around, and I said, that's the season. Out the window, right? Looking at how the Bears have been working, you know, there's there's some positives. I look at the Packers right now. One, we're injured, right? We, we have a lot of what I think are crucial players right now out. Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, we, we need those guys back. Beyond that, you know, because now we have young receivers, right? So you're taking the best quarterback in the game. I know that's a whole argument. Him, Brady, whoever, whatever, that's our Alex Smith. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, dealing with young receivers. And, and that's really, you know, Devontae Adams, I don't think gets enough credit. He's played phenomenal this season. Um, and even last season, he's been, he's been a guy that I can rely on. Um, beyond that, right now, I don't have a lot of other people I can rely on. You know, we had jimmy every once in a while right you just you just can't rely on him the way you can rely on adams you have to have more than one you can rely on um adams has been getting open which i have appreciated but then you have young guys so you have a vet and aaron Rodgers trying to win games because our defense is god awful while teaching receivers how to play the game right so so there's a lot that's happening with the packers right now we have a rough stretch ahead of us when i look at like what the bears have next in the jets compared to what we have next in the rams i think you know this is a tight a tight race in the nfc north i think really at the end of the day if you're looking at those four teams the vikings to me are the team to beat they had that one little blip uh early in this season where they got blown out of the water but since then have really just been on the up and up so i think they're the team to beat i think on the Bears' end, the one thing I was going to – is Gabriel still on the phone? Oh, I'm yeah. not sure if he is, if he can hear me. Um, What he said about Jordan Howard, I think that is the key to success for the Bears because when you have a rookie quarterback, when you have a guy that's inexperienced, his greatest asset right now will be the run game. And the Bears, yep. they have that, right? Like they have people who can run the football – that takes something off him, again, in regards to this Matt Nagy play-calling stuff. Why are you looking to throw on a 2-6, and six, right? Run the ball again. Let's see if they can get some more yardage on a 2-6, and six, right? This isn't do or die to get that first down. And I think he's Nagy is making risky play-calls when he doesn't have to, and he can run the ball, but then making these ridiculous play calls, um, like throwing on a third and one when that, what are you doing? You know what I mean? So I, there are some blips there, but like you guys have all mentioned here today, there are pieces in that uh, offense. The defense is phenomenal. Like Gabriel said, healthy. Cleo Max definitely not healthy right now. When I take that, I take the Vikings, the Lions, whatever, we lost to them, so we'll leave them at that. I look at what the Packers have up in this stretch. I need our guys to get healthy, especially the receivers, and I need the defense to God figure it out because it's awful. Something that something that we hit on last week on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, and I just want to shout out to anyone who listened all the way through last week. 
I was on so many painkillers because <laughs> I had had a tooth pulled out of my mouth the day before. I listened back to that episode. Of course, I had to like edit it. And I'm listening to myself going like, oh, you're doing real good there, buddy. You're doing a great, great job. Yeah. Um, something that I hit on in the haze, I think the smartest thing that I said that came out of this is that too many guys on the Packers are either too young or too old right now. Yeah. And I think that's a big, big assessment of their defense in particular in that you have Blake Martinez, Kenny Clark, and Ha Ha Clinton Dix, one at every level. That's really right. a guy in their prime. So I'm looking just... I'm asking what what is what is your assessment of some of these young guys in in the most recent drafts, particularly uh, Kevin King, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, um, uh, Dean Lowry, Ky- Oren Burks, Ky- Kyler Fackrell. Um, where do you think the defense is at, and are these are these guys good picks? Do you see like a, a best pick out of those, or like a worst pick? Um, one of my favorite picks, who I think really has has played a crucial role, is Dean Lowry. I think he has been an asset to the team. Are there some days where I don't see it as much as others? Definitely. But if I look at the past few seasons and and I lay it out, he's been, for the most part, consistent. And I think that is what I look for in in picks, right? Because to me, you're not going to be able to know if your draft pick was a good pick until three seasons after you pick up, right? You have to see how they develop. You have to see how your team plays around it, how injuries affect your squad, the whole nine yards, right? So really, it's hard for me to say, you know, hey, we just drafted this guy. Is he good or is he not? There's Maybe they're making some immediate impact, um, but in the long term, Dean Lowry really has been consistent for me. As far <laughs> as some of our other guys go, like I said, to me, it's inconsistency. Right. So there are are days, even towards the beginning of the season, where I was like, this isn't as awful as I was preparing myself for. Right. Because in the past few seasons, (laughs) that has just been the struggle. We've we've struggled with tight ends. We've struggled with the line. We've just struggled. And so. I'm always prepared for that. I think every season I'm like, oh, my God. Right. Who's coming back? Who's hurt? Who's not? And um Thankfully, as a Packer fan, you you don't necessarily have to worry as much on that offensive side because of Aaron Rodgers simply flat out playing simple. Haven't been there. We'll leave it at that. Uh, when I look at uh, some of our, our guys on defense, like I said, very inconsistent plays where we're seeing guys wide open down the field. They're missing tackles. They're, they're just not playing smart football. Um, and it looks like for all of them, like you said, we have guys at every level. For a lot of them, whether it be because they can't run anymore, they can't tackle anymore, or because they must have forgot how to do it. You're talking about uh, talking about Clay Matthews. Are you, <laughs> are, are you, you kind know, of subtweeting Clay Matthews right I, now? You know what I mean. Yes, <laughs> I'm just gonna. Yes, you caught me. You caught yeah. me. Um, I think he was just called for roughing the passer just now. Just now. Just now. Just <laughs> outside. Yeah. yeah. No, the uh, referees the in the Giants Falcons game going on right now. <laughs> Just just whistled fifty two on the Packers for roughing roughing the passer. Eli Manning fall, falls over and they <laughs> somehow flag Clay Matthews for it. Number fifty two from the State Farm commercial that just aired. <laughs> <laughs> Got too close to Aaron in that one, Clay. I mean, I think the thing with Clay, you know, some of these and some of his, you know, roughing the passer calls have been, you know, I won't use the word on air, but awful. <laughs> 
some though is especially you know week one versus the bears i'm like you did that because you haven't made one tackle all game you're trying to prove something now but guess what buddy that's wrong the wrong way to do it so you have him and even sometimes i see haha clinton dicks you know struggle out there so there's there's some instances where i look at everybody whether you're a rookie you're in that point where you're about three years in where i think i should be knowing whether i like you or not or you're a vet where I think everybody on defense looks like they're just done. It's a new coordinator. It's a new system. And I want to stick on, on the rules and enforcement of them for just a little bit. Kind of throw this throw this one out to uh to the entire room of we have seen we have seen bad bad officiating. I think it's kind of become something that we as NFL fans become accustomed to after a while. And okay, is there when was the last time someone was just like, dude, these officials the are officials good. are so good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't, any sports fan exactly. has ever thought that in, in the history sports. of forever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah but like in in particular yeah. right now, you know, uh, the last the last five weeks of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland have featured have extensively featured my thoughts on on officiating and officiating as like a labor issue but i was just wondering if if anyone if any of you guys has like a, a real a real thought or opinion on like where is the officiating at and how can we make it better i'm gonna be honest with you do it please so i'm gonna give my legal two cents here real quick yes here we go I'm my excited. thought process on this is that the nfl knows they're going down. Some way they're gonna get. I mean, we've seen the lawsuits come in, right? This is Ghost Pepper. Hot From behind the scenes, I think there are big, big, big class action lawsuits on their way. I was gonna ask if you thought that if there's finally gonna be a, a yes. major class action lawsuit. I think that I think or, that it's, or more. I think that it's closer than we think it is. I hope so. And 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 in regards to the CTE stuff, how much? And so I think what they're doing, and this is my perspective on it, because it hasn't hit yet, right? Once it hits legally, then there's this. Um, you're gonna they're gonna look at the NFL overall and say, okay, well, when did it change? Because when it changed, then there will be no more class action, right? Then you had this warning; it was a foreseeable risk. You participated in this on your own. And so then you can't sue anymore, right? So I think the NFL knows that it's coming and therefore is place, telling all the officials, hey, don't let them do anything, right? That, that would cause injury in any way because then 10 years from now, when these guys try to sue us, they can't. And that's not going to work, at least in my opinion. You're not going to tell a group of people who have had to fight the NFL tooth and nail for what I consider to be like very basic benefits and and privileges and structures that you should be fighting for from an employer you can't then turn around and try and offload blame on them but that to me is a big theme of what the nfl does as an organization is that it tries to absolve itself of all responsibility and offloading that onto whomever that they either employ or is around them that has less power and less status less control of capital whether it be the players or the referees or anyone, it's it's this constant dodging of blame. And I think this, uh, I think I think a lot of what we when we talk about the referees, I try and always center it right back on this idea of like it is the way that the NFL has created it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I also think it's partially due 
to the fact that you see this big-time offensive surge within the game of football. And the NFL knows that it's losing ground in terms of popularity in America. You know, you look at the, the state of the culture right now, you know, you got more people excited about the start of the NBA season than the upcoming Packers-Rams game that's going to be America's game of the week on Fox. Then you do the World Series between the Boston Red Sox and the L.A. Dodgers. You know, you, you, you see how many times quarterbacks from the likes of Brady, Rodgers, and Wentz are throwing the ball, including, you know, Cam Newton and others. And when you see that and this, this upsurge and tick with, with offense, you know, like that sales. You know, they, they say defense wins championships, but offense also sells tickets. And, you know, when you see guys throwing the ball 50 times a game and you see guys like Brady throwing it, you know, throwing six touchdowns against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs or throwing three touchdowns against Chicago Bears in a game of the week or whatever like that, that's only going to attract people to watch your sport, which is no different than, you know, when you see a home run being hit in baseball by Mike Trout or you see, you know, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson knocking down threes for the Golden State Warriors. You know, it's just a, a indication – or where the game is going. And when you add that on top of what Allie was saying, then I think that, you know, that's why you see so many calls that are being made to protect the offensive player, making it a defensive sport. Yeah, I definitely agree with, agree with that. And I think that there are so many financial drivers as well that are pushing the NFL towards more points, more offense. Uh, the the show that was in in this studio before we left was a pretty much exclusively a fantasy football show, and fantasy football is a big revenue driver right now. Points and yardage mm-hmm. and numbers, and particularly quarterbacks and wide receivers, really really drive fantasy. So there is a a financial incentive to promote passing and offense right now for the NFL. So yeah, it's it's not to, not to just like take all the cool stuff you said and be like, that just plays into my larger point. But like all these things kind of are related to how the NFL is conducting itself right now. Yeah. And going going off that, I mean, if you have LaShawn McCoy, like you're not just going to watch a bills game, you know, like it it gives you a reason to pay attention (laughs) to every game. Like you're not going to follow bills Colts. If you don't have anybody in that game, why would you? But you know, if you have Andrew luck, if you have LaShawn McCoy, you have those guys, it makes, every game personally uh, important. Yeah, I and- think, too, to echo off that, when you're talking about this financial thing, we have to remember that this sports betting thing oh, yeah. is about to be the takeover, right? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave Vegas and hit every place. So I was actually talking the other day to the guy who is responsible for bringing that to Illinois, who lobbies for that, and... um writes the legislation and said that this time next year, so the start of NFL next year, every place that sells lottery tickets or sells alcohol, this, you know, don't quote me on this, will probably have um, Allie, the you, sports betting. I'm, I'm going to publish yes. this podcast. So, <laughs> uh, I, we are actually going to quote you on that. You know, I'm saying don't like hold me to it. If it's right. not next fall, if there aren't sports betting kiosks at every place, yeah, don't come after me. Um, That's our official slogan now. <laughs> but there's said to be, you know, these kiosks at 
all these places that sell alcohol and lottery tickets where you can just go place your bets. So again, to the point of the NFL being able to benefit off this in some way, are you going to place a bet on a team that doesn't have LaShawn? Are you going to place a bet on a team that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers, that doesn't have a Tom Brady because they're hurt? No. Right, you're you're probably not even going to watch these games. The Bears, how many how many people are going to bet on how many sacks Cleo Mack is going to have next season? You know what I mean? There's there's a lot of ways to do this now. The point spread, along with just little itty bitty things, that this is like you said goes beyond safety and and into a money making scheme. It's it's such. Can I? I'm just going to have an old old person moment on on this show right now, but. If you had told me when I was growing up in, in like the nineties and I turned eighteen in nineteen ninety-eight and I I was I was awesome. Oh, I had an awesome, healthy lifestyle. Um yeah. Whenever I say that and people are like, I was young. Yeah, I know. Um but if you had told <laughs> time, me at, at time passed. Yeah, when I was eighteen, you know, my, my priorities were were askew at that point. But if you had told me that like marijuana and gambling we're going to be like almost passe in 20 years when you're 38 years old. I would have just like been, oh, I just completely, completely astounded by that. It's because like flying cars. Yeah. Yeah. These were the things that we like, we really wanted to have and enjoyed because they were like illicit and fun. And, you know, and nowadays you can like, you know, your, uh, your grandma's telling you about the, uh, you know, the edibles and, and like the new vape pen that she bought and like. You're gonna be able to bet on sports in the gas station. It's not cool anymore. Seven Eleven yeah. betting kiosk. Seven Eleven betting kiosk. Right next to the Slurpee machine. Right next to the <laughs> like the 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 new Indica Jewel you can buy. <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right, all right. My moments. My moment is of old person um, disdain is over. Um, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to now have a good healthy laugh about the the Raiders. Sure. Yeah. Um, I love laughing at the Raiders. Cool. As do I. Um, the Raiders, of course, are are taking it apart. They traded Khalil Mack, which I just want to like reset the clock a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. I want to yeah. dial the old back hands time? back. Can we go back in time to, go back to like 2014 when not. We don't even have to go no, that Derek far. Carr was an MVP candidate. No, that's we, too far. That's we can go back far. to the final <laughs> week of the preseason. Dollars a year, Derek Carr. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we can go back to the final week of the preseason where the Raiders have the best pass rusher and possibly the best defensive player in the entire game on their squad. Yeah. They've got a quarterback coming off an injury who can bomb it. They've got a veteran running back, and they've got three wide receivers who can stretch the field. Marshall Lynch was not and good they're playing. Year. Well, yeah, he's going to eventually come like fall apart, but he's cool anyway. Uh, <laughs> And they've got three wide receivers who can stretch the field. What? Why? Why are they blowing that up? That's a functional NFL team in their conference. Year. The big thing for me, somewhat in defense of Gruden, he wants to build this thing in his image. He wants to build it from the ground up. Gruden's mm-hmm. brain is made out of hot dogs. That's not much of a defense. Yeah, but let, but I'm curious where this is going. So it, it's hard to build a team when you're paying two guys 20 plus million dollars a year when you're paying Gabe Jackson somewhere around 10 million you might have to end up paying Amari Cooper around 8 to 11 million depending on what deal he gets from that angle 
not necessarily that I agree with it, but like I can see that logic kind of at play when it came to that decision. Um, but when it came to that Amari Cooper trade today, um, I I thought it was worse for the Cowboys more yeah, than anything, absolutely. more than it was for Gruden. Yeah, NFC East, baby. I, I think Gruden getting a first round pick for Amari. I was shocked. A st- you and I made fun of that for about five minutes last week yeah. when he said, "I want a first for Amari." I thought Cooper. that was <laughs> foolish. Uh, but John Gruden looks like a mastermind getting a first out of Jerry Jones and the Cowboys with that. And I think the Raiders will be better off for it. I don't think Amari Cooper's that great. No. Well, if if really, uh, I can't. Uh, yeah. Uh, Matt can't. Matt doesn't have Ma- headphones. Matt, yeah, Matt, Matt can't. Sorry, yeah, Gabriel. we ran out of headphones, so Matt can't hear hear Gabriel. But uh, yeah, um, what are your thoughts on this, Gabriel? If if you're uh, if you're chiming in on what Matt said there, said I mean, was... I just found oh, that he, he said that he doesn't find Amari Cooper to be that good. Interesting. Yeah, um, I think Amari Cooper, when healthy, has the potential to be one of the best wide receivers in the game, and I think a lot of that has been a by product of the quarterback play that you've seen recently with um, Derek Carr and the amount of targets in which he's received, which have been very few because I've watched a lot of Raiders games this season and they're tending to throw the ball a lot to the likes of Jerry Cook and Martavis Bryant more than anybody. Um, So, like, I I think that, you know, Dallas finally got themselves a number one receiver. Did they give up a lot? Yes. But, you know, in the NFL, you got to give up a lot to get a lot. And uh, I, I agree with Charlie's point and assessment in regards to the way in which Gruden is trying to build this Raiders team. You know, he definitely wants to do it in his own way. And I know a lot of people say, well, how could you trade, you know, a guy who was probably the best pass rusher in the game outside of Von Miller. And, you know, you have this quarterback who can light it up and who was an MVP candidate in 2016 after producing a successful season that led to a playoff appearance before he got hurt, um, you know, you never saw them following Carr's return under center truly live up to the potential that you thought they would when you saw that roster on paper after 2016. You know, if I'm not mistaken, the Raiders haven't won a playoff game since 2002 when they last got to the Super Bowl and they failed to the um, – Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I believe it was, what, Super Bowl 37? Yeah. So, like, this has been a team that has underperformed for years now. And now that he has a chance to go back to Oakland with a 10-year, $100 million contract, all guaranteed money, by the way, you know, I can kind of see why he might want to build it his way. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he seeks to make another move and decides to part ways with Derek Carr, pending upon how this season unfolds out in Oakland as they seek to you know move on to their next chapter in Las Vegas. Well, shoot, he got a first rounder for Amari Cooper. So for Derek Carr, you assume that he could probably get like I don't know four first rounders. I'll say and this: that's my point. So for Derek Carr, this is this is my this is my my hot take. I've been squatting on for a while. He has about four and a half million in dead cap next year. My prediction is. Gruden's just gonna cut him by the end of this season, save save about eighteen million or something like that for next mm-hmm. year. My, my big take on this is that I I don't think you can tank in the NFL. 
the way that you can tank in other sports. I don't know that tanking in other sports Agreed. has been validated as something that works, honestly. But like, I just don't see a situation in which you, you can say to yourself or the fans in any justifiable way, we are going to trade and therefore get out of paying what could be the best defensive player that the NFL has ever seen and and like have that justify as a way that's going to eventually make the team better. Because I don't care how many first-round picks you get for Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is the guy that you hope to draft with a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but you know who else did it and they're undefeated right now? The Los Angeles Rams. It's been teams that have tanked before in the NFL in the effort to build winners. The Jacksonville Jaguars are another team that come to mind. They've done it, and although they're struggling lately, you know, what they've managed to assemble over the last two years was a byproduct of their, you know, being in the depths and darkness of the AFC South for so long. So it's teams that have done it. I just don't think that they've managed to be as successful as like some of these teams that you see out here, such as the Packers, the Patriots, the Saints, that just go to the playoffs year in and year out. I think taking tanking varies from sport to sport. I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have this fully like mapped out in my head, so I'm gonna try and walk my oh, way through. You're this. on the right <laughs> podcast. <thing. laughs> but you look at you look at NBA, you look at MLB, where guys where trades are so much more common. It's so much easier to just blow it up and trade mm-hmm. away your best player for X amount of prospects, for salary dumps, for all that stuff. The NFL, you have to have 11 guys on the field at once. You have to have a 53 man roster. Some of those guys are gonna be good. It's it's not necessarily that they're like actively trying to lose to the extent that I think you see in the MLB that you see in the NBA. It's just it's so much harder to develop talent in the NFL, if that makes sense. Yeah. And typically like when you get great talent, you don't let them leave. Yeah. Like great talent typically stays on one team for as long as possible because that one team can offer more money in contract negotiations than other teams can. And so to see Khalil Mack get traded away is like such a shocking thing because somebody who is in all likelihood a first ballot Hall of Famer, perhaps the best defensive player in the league right now and the best that we've seen getting traded, period, is like shocking. It's like it's like seeing a yeah. franchise quarterback get traded in the middle of his prime. His first half against yeah, the Bears that would is... be strange. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you Kirk Cousins is not as good as Cleo Mack, but like, <laughs> yeah, no, oh. out like, oh, I, it, Dan Snyder sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it's like a, it's like an Aaron Rodgers type quarterback getting traded in the middle of his prime, a, a Peyton Manning type quarterback getting traded away in the middle of his prime. Yeah, it, I, that first half of of Cleo Mack versus the Packers in Game One this season, that's the that's probably the best defensive football performance I've ever seen. That is that yeah, is one absolutely. of the, one of the greatest things that I've ever watched on television. In Khalil Mack's first four weeks, he had four forced fumbles. He forced a fumble oh. every single week of the first yeah. four weeks. That was really fun. I, I, yeah. I get that part. I mean, since part, then he has but, four but total usually, tackles. Yeah. Here, I get that part. But usually, when I look at Tate and I see like and and I've had this conversation with a lot of people when they say best defensive player, a guy that I think of like yeah, Khalil Mack's definitely in the top five. But the number one guy that comes to my mind is Aaron Donald. That's just my personal take. Yeah, Donald. Aaron Donald's really good. Yeah, Aaron yeah. Donald's scared yeah. to face Aaron Donald. <laughs> Aaron, Donald <laughs> yeah. Aaron Donald can impact 
the past game to not not to the extent of Khalil Mack, but pretty much in the ballpark of Khalil yeah. Mack. And he could also just destroy a He's run game. A stalwart exactly. in the run game. He's Kenny Clark to the maximum. He's he takes up two blocks every play. I yeah, mean, he 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 commands a double team every single play, mm-hmm. and he will still destroy. And you know who's right next to him? And Dominican Sue. Yeah, another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this just in: the Rams are good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we were mentioning this. Uh, just Matt and I sat down for a little, like, fifteen-minute uh, appetizer yeah. to this to this roundtable discussion, and we're, I really think that we we overuse the term innovator. When we talk about NFL coaches, absolutely, and I, I really talk about Sean McVay now. Yeah, yeah. Do you have <laughs> you know do you have Sean McVay thoughts? Yeah. Redskins. Oh, weird. Oh, my God. <laughs> see, just anytime we get mm-hmm. someone talented, we're like, wow, get rid of that's him. great. But you know what? We're just gonna get rid of him. And hey, we played the Rams last year and we won, so that makes everything flipping phenomenal. <laughs> we're doing great over here in DC. Bring him back ten years after his prime. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> And we'll give him the biggest contract he's ever had. Too. Something like ten years, one hundred million dollars, and then he'll just retire. Wow. <laughs> okay, uh, Garrett Neal remains as of yet unexploded. So I just want to take a moment to ask you: uh, Do you have any thoughts on Albert Hainsworth? Are you you asking me? <laughs> or, or, yeah. Or, okay. Um, you know. <laughs> Oh man, do you see the sadness that just overtook? You can send him into a supernova. He's yeah, I'm gonna be cleaning pieces of Garrett Neal off. A black studio. hole of frustration is forming. Right I now. mean, my my feelings about him are are perhaps not as passionate as they would be if that happened more recently. Because I was I was younger than time fades all. It I I but it, I just it, in what world did that make sense? Right buttons, yeah, I know, I know. It, it, and it's like, look, okay, then we signed Jason Taylor, and it's like he was nice because he was good, and I got his autograph, which was cool, and I'm like, I have Jason Taylor's autograph, but like, I'm paying this money. Albert Hainsworth was never good at all. And then we get him, and you just, anytime you look up worst effort plays in NFL history, Albert Hainsworth on the Redskins will be at that late, that on that yeah, list and at least twice. There were several plays where he, he hiked the ball, stands up, gets pushed over, just sits there on the ground the whole play. It's like wow. it's, uh, yeah, and I'm then making it's, it's three million dollars <laughs> right now to sit on the on ground. This turf. It's, yeah, you're gonna intersperse that with cuts of Jay Cutler and the Wildcat down in Miami, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is also fantastic. Um, he was on the Redskins too. Oh, cool. Yeah, they they sign all those good players. Oh yeah, we had Donovan McNabb too. Can't can't forget when I we love had that retread. Donovan oh, McNabb, and Rex Grossman. Let's not forget. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a McNabb defender, but I'm not a, a Redskins McNabb defender. John <laughs> John Beck, remember him, yeah. guys? No, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Jim Zorn, what a great head coach. <laughs> oh. I I want I want as a a sort of a a finalizing of uh, the last major thing we're going to talk about is Le'Veon Bell. You know, is is now unable. to going to be unable to return to action until after the trade deadline if he does at all this holdout with the Steelers well, I also think just has... when so you said Jay Cutler I was thinking about Rex Roseman just clarifying uh, okay 
Yeah, I was going to say, like, Jay Cutler wasn't on the Redskins, yeah. but you were really rolling. So I was no, there, just was, let... there was a confidence that I wasn't going to disagree yeah. with. Yeah, I was just I was letting you, uh, letting you, you know, throw your, uh, shoot your shot it, there. But, but next uh, time, let me know. When yeah. I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, if it was less funny, I, I would have right away. <laughs> um, Le'Veon Bell's holdout has not gone the way that I think he thought it would. Although I have no idea, you know, I'm not talking to Le'Veon Bell, so don't quote me on that, actually. <laughs> but um, this Recording is this to me is like I am in general, I am in general in favor of holdouts. I am in general in favor of people like getting paid what they want and putting like a, a the prop what they think is the right valuation on their services. And you know, when when you you do this because you have to, and you do this because you want you want to get paid what you want. But I think. What this holdout is seeing is that is showing us is that the NFL players are not going to be able to do this individually. They're they're going to need to get a little solidarity, but within their ranks, from from the lowest paid, you know, rookie scale contract, veteran minimum guys, the guys clinging on to practice squads, all the way through your top paid players, your Aaron Rodgers, your Tom Brady's, because. We are seeing that the NFL right now and, you know, pending this Kaepernick uh, collusion case that he has against them, like the NFL right now seems very confident that they can just sort of blacklist whoever they need to in order to keep their game going. And I don't think I don't think individual battles are how how you fix this problem. In this case, I I do. I I think you're 100 percent right. I think it's. I mean, the NFL doesn't exactly have like a very strong players union, um, and so that's something that I think is necessary as this goes on. I mean, NFL players get like four years, five years of uh, pension after they retire. If you play for enough years in the league, I think it's four years to start getting the pension. It's there's not as enough benefits for players after they retire, uh, considering like the health. Right prospects of playing in the NFL considering what comes with playing in the NFL and what comes with life after playing in the NFL they don't get a ton of benefits all right and uh I'm gonna hand my headphones off to uh to Matt and Gabriel you can kind of give me give me your point on that I mean somebody has to set the trend and running backs in the NFL are treated like top living yeah you know you think about the average career of an NFL running back it's like what three years three and a half years at yeah. And, you know, he's been doing it for five seasons. He's been the top running back in the game. You know, in a way, he's kind of changed the game with his running style and being a patient runner as opposed to being a runner that seeks to, you know, go just thoroughly uphill. His his impact in the passing game is unbelievable as well, and I don't think that gets talked about a lot either. Yeah, you know, you had a Steelers, they're 3-2-1 in the AFC North in first place, but, you know, they could easily – have lost a few games. And that offense, yeah, while James Conner has done his thing and looked good thus far, you know, when you look at the Steelers, it's a completely different team with number 26 in that backfield. Yeah. And I understand a lot of people are saying, well, you know, you can't fight this fight individually, but it's so, always got to be a first time for everything. And I think around week seven or eight, you or even like – I'm not sure, but I, I do believe at some point he will report because he knows that he has to collect his money. Yeah. He's already forsaken too much sitting out half the season enough as it is. So 
I mean, I, I get what he's trying to do. Um, I mean, I remember reading somewhere he was supposed to be getting traded, wasn't he? Like his name was in a bunch of trade rumors and what have you. So um, he, he's just looking yeah, to get paid, he, and I understand. The thing about that, the whole trade thing is that I think the reason he's holding out, I think it's like November something. If he comes back after that, now he can no longer get traded. And so that's, I think, what he, the big thing behind it is, and I agree with you, Gabriel, that, you know, it it normally can't be an individual thing, but I think when you look at the NFL right now and, and, and for the past since it existed, you have to do it as an individual thing. Because like you guys said, you know, there is no strong players union. You don't have a lot of benefits. You aren't guaranteed that money. They can, you know, that's different from other sports where you sign, okay, that's yours for the whole season, no matter what. And if we trade you, we have to work that out. In the NFL, they that's not a responsibility. If you get hurt, it's not their business. And so I think it takes guys like him, like Kaepernick, to say, all right, I'm going to do this because then you hope that this players union becomes stronger and that something can happen from this. But like you said, the 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 length of your career as a running back, just as as really a lot of positions in football beyond the quarterback, I think that's where we see guys play the longest. Don't um, forget about the kickers and the punter. Oh, well, Mason Crosby, <laughs> good God Almighty. But, uh, you know, that's the whole But I'm, you know, that. They're really your duration of your career is very limited. And so I I have to always tell people, put it in perspective of your regular nine to five job. Right. What if that was only guaranteed three years and then you're going to I don't know, you can't walk to work anymore or something. Right. And so what would you do in that scenario to guarantee yourself a lifetime of stability? Right. And so I think that that's where we're starting to see guys in the NFL finally make these moves, which I think he will report this season. I think he will report after he cannot get traded anymore. That's not what he wants. I think he wants a long term contract with the Steelers. And I think that's what is going to happen if if that works out. But somebody's got to do it. And for him to have the you know ability and also you have to think about this too they're making a lot more money than you and i sitting here so can they afford to sit out for you know i think what is he losing eight hundred thousand a week or something like yeah. that right yeah. to me yeah. like oh my god no like let's play one game right i'll take my money and never come back but for somebody who's made that money um and, and can afford to do that to make a difference for guys rookies maybe who aren't making that money but want to do the same thing kind of how we saw with Rokon Smith at the beginning of this season doing his little version of a holdout, right? Sure. So then we're we're see we're I think because of him and because of some other guys, we'll see things start to move forward in NFL players really negotiating uh what they want. I think yeah, he's making James Conner a lot of money right now. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I I, th- I think the biggest thing about this is running backs just aren't as valuable anymore as they were at one point. Teams are much more willing to allocate their money elsewhere to more premium positions and then draft a running back in the third or fourth round, find a guy for cheap. I mean, look at Aaron Jones. What's going on in Green Bay? What was he, fifth, sixth rounder? Fourth rounder. Yeah, Jordan Howard, fifth round pick. Le'Veon Bell was a third round pick. I mean, the way, the position of running back, look look at New England. James White, who knew who he was coming out of the draft. The way the running back position has changed is teams just aren't that willing to tie up that much money towards a running back because of the wear and tear, because of they're pretty much replaceable. Mm. There's 
that that's the biggest thing about this. And you know, if I'm the Steelers, I'm for sure looking looking to trade Le'Veon Bell because you're still ninth in DVOA in offensive DVOA with James Conner. Why not get a high high ish draft pick for for Le'Veon Bell? Find a quarterback. Maybe you're not in love with with Mason Rudolph. Find a quarterback. Develop him for post Ben Roethlisberger. That that's the biggest thing is is just the devaluation of the running back position. I think the reason that you don't do some of that is that with Le'Veon Bell, the Steelers, as they're currently constituted, are if not like a, a odds-on pick to a, for a deep playoff run, or at least dark horse contenders to to play in the AFC Championship. They're good game. enough to get the benefit of the doubt, regardless of who's yeah. playing running. Yeah, here's here's my here's my thing is to like. When 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 you make it a single player holdout issue, you have just you have just put a single player versus everyone, and the power disparity there is too great. The owners are yeah. the players are millionaires, but the owners are billionaires, and the owners are billionaires that have contracts over a bunch of people who aren't millionaires yet, mm-hmm. who need those billionaires' checks to keep going, and you have you've effectively eliminated one of the key things in in pretty much any struggle of of wage earners versus ownership which is solidarity mm-hmm. and that's uh you know this is not my socialism hour but you know it also it kind can of it, is can it be yeah but also it is yeah. um <laughs> can it be and and the the thing that when you do that you you can play you can you can utilize every weapon yeah. Against against a guy like Le'Veon Bell, his own teammates. Yeah, we saw them earlier. Yeah, we're making statements. They've all, said, they've all a lot of the his teammates have said, you know, we're not, we don't know, we haven't talked to him. You know what I mean? And and I think that's kind of a you have to look into that as as well as you know it is just him on his own. But when kind of off of what Charlie said, you know, there's this underappreciation now you see of running backs in particular. Um, but I think that it, it's almost underappreciated because if you don't have, you know, a, a top-notch quarterback, I think your running game is is one of the strongest assets you can have. Now, I think the dilemma is, you know, I you look at college football where these guys are coming from and you're seeing teams like Alabama in particular throwing the ball a heck of a lot more than they ever have. And so those guys are going to go first, right? They're looking at these winning teams. They're going to go first, and that's why you're seeing running backs, you know, go at different places in the draft, but I think with Le'Veon Bell in particular, he is a player who is past that, you know, initial, this change in appreciation, and so I think he deserves that appreciation back. He's a complimentary piece on a great team. And then I have a little thing also, it's because, like, we talk about Le'Veon Bell's, like, worth as a running back. It's also important to note, like, how worthy he is as a receiver. Dave brought it up exactly. earlier. Le'Veon Bell deserves to get paid like a number two receiver as well yeah. as maybe the best running back in the league. And I think that's what a lot of this is about is not just the devaluation of the running back position, but the undervaluing of what Le'Veon Bell brings to a team. He's somebody that can be spread out wide. He can be in the backfield. He's your best pass catcher as well as your best running back. And he deserves to get paid like that. I mean, this is a league that's bringing in like $10 billion. Mm-hmm. And these are all mega billionaire owners. Like, they have the money to dole out these contracts like it's nothing. I mean, that's like a payment at the candy store next door. Like, it, it's nothing. I, I agree with you on that. It's just I really don't see NFL owners budging on that. I th- if they can save it money in some way, somehow, yeah. 
That's, they're going to do it. Sure, and that's that's what that's collective action gets yeah, you. Exactly. That's, the, that's, that's the issue. Yeah. It's like, you're right. You're absolutely right. But that's the issue going forward with, like, the next CBA and everything is trying to organize, like, how can this put less power in the billionaire owner's pockets and put more power in the guys who are leaving the game, like, injured and broken? Because they're the ones who are giving up their lifetime of work to play four years in the NFL. Um, and, and I think it's going to be interesting when we start to see kind of the, the crop of young running backs getting their like second contracts or being up for their second yeah. contracts because Le'Veon Bell um, and Todd Gurley as well are, are we're kind of the beginning of the new age running back where you have to be yeah. both a top-notch runner but also the best or second best receiver on your team. And so now we're going to see guys like Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook, right? And when these yeah. guys and, and Tariq Cohen, I think a little bit too. Um, and when these guys' contracts are up, they're going to be in similar situations where they're going to be like, "Look, I've been a a All Pro running back and have been one of the best receivers on this team. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do?" Yeah, because it's 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 then not just a thing of like paying me for what it is going forward, but paying for the things that you were doing on the tiny rookie contract. Right, because the all again, pro, going back the, to what we were talking about, about earlier, these are third-round picks. Yeah, it's about appreciation for the past deeds as well as what's going forward. I mean, you just look at the difference between what these guys are getting as third, fourth, fifth-round draft picks and what, the you know, for what they're getting compared to what they're doing. It's just not, it doesn't compare, right? You're seeing guys go first round with way bigger contracts and then these guys who are really making big, big impacts. And so you're right when it when it's time for that second contract, which is the key to that's, that's stay, the life changing money, right? And that not only is the life changing money at that time, but because of the expectancy of you playing in the NFL, that is what you have to base your. You know, you might not make it all the way through that second contract because of injuries, because of whatever mm-hmm. it is. So that as a rookie, right, you you can kind of think about it a little bit differently in this sense that, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Whatever, you know, we'll, we'll see how this goes. When you're up for that second contract, if you have done what you have supposed to do and what a lot of these guys are doing, you know, that is the life-changing money. That is your future. That's the rest of your life that's going to happen in four years. And so that's where that's going to be a big, big, big aspect. Yeah, and Saquon Barkley, second overall pick, that doesn't happen very often at this point for running mm-hmm. backs anymore to go that high. He's the sixth highest paid yeah. running back in the NFL right now. Yeah, it's that. That's just it's crazy. That's just more reason for teams to be reluctant to take a to take a running back that high. Yeah. It. I mean, he's making seven million. Yeah, I mean, Mike, well, you know what that is, <laughs> Mike. We've talked about that's that Rock Nation sports agency. <laughs> go ahead, Gabe. That's Rock Nation sports agency. You know what I'm saying? Anytime you incline a Jay Z, you know. At that level, when you come out of Penn State and you produce on an All-American status, you know, like that's that's that was automatic, and and the Giants know that and knew that they needed him. And then you consider, like you talk about, how most of these running backs they do get picked in the latter rounds. That's even more reason to fight for your money. Yeah. Because when you first come in, like unless if you're a first-round draft pick, you don't, your roster spot's not guaranteed. So you know, you come up out the mud. From the moment you get in the training camp, you fighting for a spot on the roster. You get that spot. You rise to first team All Pro. You get selected to a Pro Bowl. You prove your worth, and you show that you're indispensable to the Pittsburgh Steelers, like you have if you're Le'Veon Bell. 
And while, like, you know, a lot of the players may not have had contact and communication with him from the summer throughout the season, there are some players who, behind closed doors, I truly believe are standing with him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. One of, one of the key things that, like, you know, any, uh, that, I, that I, I like about collective work and, and like, b- banding together, one of the key things that I like about collective action is that through collective action, you're not saying, like, I like this person. Like, you don't have to like your neighbors, but you do have to want the same things if if you are standing up against someone more powerful than you. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I think that with the way in which the league is going now, personally, and you know I said this on your show for the summer, Mike, I really feel like the NFL is – bracing itself or preparing itself for a lockout, especially with the Players Association. When you see the amount of money that these quarterbacks are making, especially in the NFC North, um, it's crazy. You know, and other players such as running backs and wide receivers, they're going to want they cut in, in piece of the pie as well. Yeah, that's that to me is, is going to be the big challenge for the players is ten, can they get everyone on the same page can they resist these forces that want to sow divisions between them and to you know because the nfl benefits when the quarterbacks don't think that they have a stake in fighting for what the running backs make that benefits no one except the bosses i agree all right <laughs> that we have got we have had a good conversation here we're over an hour so i am going to call it I'm going to uh, go around and uh, say thank you very much to uh, to Charlie and Garrett and Allie and Gabriel Wilkins and Matt Mellemsetter. So I'm just going to go around and start with Gabriel. Um, let the folks know how they can find you on uh, any social media platforms you want to promote and go ahead and promote anything that you might be up to in your lives. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at gtom underscore one. And at Hoops Habit, I'm a writer. I cover the Houston Rockets for the NBA. And hoopshabit.com slash author slash D Wilkins. All right, that's Gabriel Wilkins. Gabriel, thank you so much for uh, calling into Cheeseheads in, Chica- in Chicagoland. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, Charlie Bevins. Hey, I got to come back to me. I got to find this link. Garrett Neal. Um, okay, I have a show on the other, the on, on Radio DePaul, the regular one, um, on Mondays at 5:30, and I talk about uh, movies and the weekend box office. So you missed it um, today, but come back next week. But if you do want to see what happened, I also post them all on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Garrett Neal. Um, there's also some movie reviews on there, and then my Twitter handle, where I tweet occasionally, is at g underscore kong twenty one. All right. Move right. it on to me. Um, again, I'm Allie Pruitt. You can find me on Twitter at Allie Pruitt One. That's A L L Y P R U I T T. Um, and on Instagram at just Allie Pruitt. Um, huge sports fan, so I always put everything out there that I can, especially when I'm uh, over at work at NBC Sports Chicago. So you follow them as well. Shameless plug. But like I said, uh, I'm in law school, so I have no life anymore. Um, but if you ever have any contract questions, sports questions, lockout questions, holdout questions, uh, that's definitely my focus. Or if you get arrested, you go ahead and call me in three <laughs> years, and uh, I'll help you out. 
Um, but also Keep go to AlliePruitt.com. There's a ton of stuff there. I throw up blog posts and uh, especially videos. We should have some big things coming when I go on winter break here after first semester. So thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And Charlie Bevins, you ready? Yep. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CRBevins11. Uh, and then you can find... What? My, what was that? Sorry. C, at CRBevins11. One, okay. one. And uh, like Alex Smith. And um, <laughs> <laughs> you can find a lot. Uh, like I said, I'm with Matt uh, here at Radio Paul Sports at 530, 630. We talk about the NFL. <clears throat> and then you can find all my written work at internetfm.com slash author slash Charlie Bevins. Right about the Bears. Uh, I've been covering Northwestern and I covered the Cubs and the White Sox this past summer. So you can find my stuff there. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm game anytime you need. Oh, we really appreciate it. And finally, we turn to uh, my trusty co-host, the uh, the the cheesehead cheesehead numero uno. It's Matt Melumsetter. Hey, Mike. Hey, uh, Matt. You can find me on the Twitter at Melumsetter. M E L E M S E T E R. It's on the cover of the podcast that you're listening to. Just look at it there and spell it there. Um, otherwise, you can listen to me with Charlie on uh, DePaul on Footballs on Mondays from five thirty to six thirty. You can listen to Sportsball, where I review and recap the history of a particular sports ball um this last week was baseball i don't know what's next i haven't decided yet um is it for the purposes of this show sure. is a hockey puck a ball i don't think so okay yeah i i we've done the football the american football we've done the basketball we've done the association football and we've done the baseball i don't know what's moving forward but uh you can listen into that anytime on monday from six thirty to 7 um other than that i do from the loop uh, with Tim Stebbins on Thursdays from 5.30 to 6.30, and the From the Loop podcast comes out every Thursday or Friday morning. All right, and I am Mike Fleischman. I'm on Twitter at MP Fleischman. That's M-P-F-L-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N. Uh, the Twitter account for Cheeseheads in Chicagoland is Cheesecagoland. For my day job, which is ironic because I don't really do it very often in the day, I call sports for the regional radio sports network. Find us at rrsn.com. We are slowly getting done with football we're in playoff time so uh, college basketball is starting we've still got some college volleyball taken care of i would be doing college soccer tomorrow were it not for jury duty Ooh. so mm. so that that happened to me um so i, I do Just doing I, your civil duty yes i'm i'm gonna have some time in the waiting room tomorrow which is when i'll be editing this this podcast so that is gonna do it for the bye week well, matt and i are gonna be back next week for Episode twenty of Cheeseheads in Chicago That's Land. A lot. That is, man. We are we we're start, we're Big like yeah you know, the car is in a, in a cruising gear at this point. The car is in gear four. We are rolling yeah. fast. Um, and we'll be talking about the Packers. They're going out to Los Angeles to play the L.A. Rams. It's that's going to be a fun game to watch. Possibly, <laughs> and, hope I really hope. Yeah, win or lose, I hope it's a good one. And that's what we're gonna do next week. So. On behalf of Gabriel Wilkins, Charlie Bevins, Garrett Neal, Allie Pruitt, and Matt Mellumsetter, I am Mike Fleischman, and I need one last thing from you, Matt Mellumsetter. What should people do? They should stay cheesy, baby. All right, good night. Good night.